0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Glory Day Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining in. For more information about Glory Day and next steps you can take with us, check out gdlc.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at gdlchouston. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, the newborn King. Amen. Here we are at the end, not the end of worship, you don't get out just yet, but it's the end of our series through Paul's letter to the Colossians. We're getting close to the end of our Advent season as Christmas is now only a few days away, so quick reminder to those who haven't finished their Christmas shopping to go ahead and do it now. The end of almost 22 years of ministry for Shirley as she repurposes herself in the kingdom work of our Savior Jesus Christ and continues to love and care and nurture for his flock. And yes, the end of five years of ministry for me, my wife, and our family here at Gloria Day. The problem is we tend to focus on the end, whether that's where we actually are or not. So when Victoria and I started growing our family with Elijah, And then Charlotte, many people told us to enjoy every minute of it, even the most difficult of days, because they'll be gone before you know it. Well, now four children later, and many sleepless nights, you know where my mind was focused? (laughs) On the sleep that I still don't get. I constantly find myself focusing on the end more than the present. My wife even corrected me of this, as I talked about sending our children out of the house when they turn 18. Because that's what's going to happen, right? (laughs) Okay, just give me that hope, please. Even now, there are still days that are tough and difficult, and of course I find myself longing for those days where our house is clean and quiet and calm. But that's just me focusing on the end and not enjoying the present. To grow the culture of discipleship at Gloria Day, it was a discipline to focus on the present. While trying to keep the end in mind. Victoria and I have always served in our Savior's kingdom with the understanding that we are where we are until God calls us away. And over the past few weeks, I've been able to reflect on that ministry that God called us to. And in many respects, Victoria at Gloria Day. What started as a focus on adult Bible studies and marriages and weddings and care ministry with Shirley... Turned into trying to execute Dan, Pastor Dan's vision of faith formation in the home and a culture of discipleship. For your support, your encouragement, your prayers, and even more your engagement in activities that we tried to plan, <laughs> Glory Day, we thank you. Victoria was able to impact women of Gloria Day, and I was able to impact men of Gloria Day. And then together, we as the family of God at Gloria Day have built a culture of intentional discipleship. And now with the continued leadership of Pastor Dan, your staff, your congregational leadership, and you individually, the culture of discipleship is not going to end because we are following God's call to lead in another part of his kingdom. And brothers and sisters, if it does fall apart, then it was built on my personality and the personality of my wife, which is the wrong place to start in the first place. This is probably the best point to stop focusing so much on the end because I don't know that we'll make it through the sermon if I do that. So instead, we're going to focus on the present. For the last couple of years, at least, you've heard me talk about the journey of discipleship, the adventure of discipleship, and as with most things I did in ministry, this was intentional. So, if you would, grab your Bibles and go with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Because, Glory Day, the journey of discipleship never ends, it always continues. It may change direction, it may slow down, it may even pause, and sometimes it has to stop. But, brothers and sisters, it never ends. And the journey of discipleship goes to the top of the highest mountains and down to the deepest valleys of life. But as disciples, we keep moving forward because of the promise that our Savior gave to us, that his presence is always with us. That's not determined by the strength of our faith or the success of resisting temptations or even how well we have loved our neighbor. The presence of our Savior is determined by His love for each and every one of us. And so, as my journey of discipleship now leads us to peace in Hearst, one of my encouragements to you is this keep moving in our Savior's presence. As our Savior left His disciples and commissioned them to make disciples and grow His kingdom, He left them with the promise of His presence even to the ones who are struggling to believe in him. And I know you and I together have gone through this passage many times, and I know that you will continue to go through this passage many times, but go with me to Matthew chapter 28, the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus' last words to his disciples as Matthew records them. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them, If you don't have verse 17 highlighted in your Bible, you need to do it today. And when they saw him, the 11 disciples, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And if you don't have this next sentence underlined or highlighted, you need to do it as well. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I don't know what the Lord has in store for Gloria Day in the next few months and years. I do know the promise that his promise is to work through each of you. From Pastor Dan to Pastor Randy, through the staff, the board of directors, each and every one of you, for the purpose of continuing to grow his kingdom. God's promise is to work through you for the purpose of continuing to grow his kingdom. So focus on the present and not the end, because in the present, there are still more people to love, more people to serve, more people to disciple And more people to help live life with Jesus every day. And as the family of God, if you are about helping more people live life with Jesus every day, there is always work to be done. And as we have built together a culture of discipleship, now you have the opportunity to move it forward in the presence of Jesus Christ. Because a culture of discipleship is not about getting it all right or having it all done perfectly or even with a clear manual of operations. And engineers, I'm really sorry about that one, but it's just truth. (laughs) The culture of discipleship is actually about reminding each other and those you meet of the love and the presence of our Savior Jesus Christ. About his life, death, and resurrection for each and every one of us so that we too have life in salvation. And that culture of discipleship is about encouraging each other to keep moving forward in our Savior's presence. The disciples didn't have it all perfect. As we just read, some of them even doubted after seeing the resurrected Christ. Yet he still sent them to proclaim the good news. My second encouragement to you is this lead the next generation. Lead the next generation. Flip with me to Deuteronomy chapter six. Because it's not Pastor Dan's or Pastor Randy's or student ministry director's or our children's director's sole responsibility to lead the next generation. Brothers and sisters, it is our responsibility. It is all of our responsibility, whether you have them in your household or not. And to that point, that's why we declared together at every baptism that we will gladly accept the responsibility of providing for, encouraging, and modeling a life of discipleship for the person being baptized from the youngest to the oldest. Because the journey of discipleship should never, ever be done alone. We do it together as the body of Christ. By engaging each other in God's word, modeling that life of discipleship for one another, and always challenging each other to grow. To take that next step. So don't grumble about the next generation. Whatever that next generation is for you, be it Gen Xers or Millennials or Gen Zers or whatever generation is to follow after them, don't grumble about them. Lead them. Get in there with them, walk with them, encourage them. You don't even have to have a ministry program to actually do this. Say hi to them when you see them coming into worship. As you feel comfortable, give them a high five, or a knuckle bump, or an elbow bump, or an air high five in COVID 2021. Show them that you acknowledge their presence. Show them that you care for them, and that you want to see them grow. And then I don't know, step out on a ledge and invite them to lunch, or to coffee, or to whatever. Give them a Starbucks gift card. Lead the next generation. Because when you seek opportunities to do so, instead of grumbling about them, you start to do what Moses commanded the people to do. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words, I command you today shall be on your heart. It starts with you in your life of faith. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently then to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. When you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And he wasn't just talking to the parents and the grandparents. Moses is talking to everyone. Raising up the next generation of faith is not an impossible task. And in fact, it happens in similar ways to how you and I were raised up in the faith. Modeling a life of discipleship for one another. Encouraging each other to come to worship. Encouraging each other to go to Bible study and small group. Checking in on each other. Praying for one another. Lead the next generation in faith. And finally, seek to grow yourself in Christ. that one's going to be the hardest. Trust me. I know that one from experience that it's a lot easier to disciple others to grow in their faith while still neglecting to grow your own. But the reality is that leading the next generation in faith and finding the strength to keep moving forward requires that we ourselves grow in our Savior Jesus Christ. So go with me to our final passage. Our final passage from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Go all the way back to the New Testament. Kind of in the middle of the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Paul writes in closing. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul never let his readers focus on the end. We don't know that Paul wrote any more letters to the church of Colossae. We certainly don't have any evidence of it in the scriptures. But what I've always found interesting was knowing that this letter was written in response to a heresy that had arisen among the church, Paul does not write them off. Nor does he tell them to give up. Paul doesn't say, hey, just wait it out, let's see what happens in 5, 10, 15 years down the road. He doesn't tell them to go into hiding or, or try to avoid uh, persecution and the heretics that are going to come. He doesn't even tell them to fight back with harsh words or actions. Essentially, Paul tells them to seek to grow themselves in Christ. Seek to grow yourself in Christ. Paul never meant that list to be exhaustive. If you read through the rest of his letters, he clearly understood that the journey of discipleship is not one that ends until death or our Savior returns. But as Paul was preparing to essentially bring his relationship to a close with the church of Colossae, he leaves them with the encouragement to remain present in their relationship with their Savior, Jesus Christ, and with each other, and with those that God had placed around them, to live out the grace of the mercy, the truth that they knew in their Savior, Jesus Christ. Glory Day, I have no doubts that our paths will cross again. So many of you have told me you have family and close friends in the DFW area that I expect my attendance numbers to be out the roof in the next year. But as my ministry does come to a close, as one of your pastors and a fellow disciple in this family of God, my prayerful challenge to you is this as you seek to grow yourself in Christ. Number one, engage God's Word, because it's full of promise and love, and grace, and truth. Each and every word is transformative in our hearts and minds as disciples of Jesus. Not because histories and genealogies can bring about redemption, but because every word shows us the incredible love our Savior has for his creation. And that God always kept his promise of a Messiah through each and every circumstance. We know that Messiah is Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross for you and me. God's word shows us Christ. It shows us the love that God has for each and every one of us, that he died on the cross for us, and every person around us, and every person throughout the world, there are still more people to love. And as we engage God's word, we learn that. But when I say engage God's word, I mean beyond your daily devotion, beyond your weekly worship or your weekly Bible study or your bi-monthly small group meeting. Engage God's word as you talk with your friends. Bring to mind a verse or passage of Scripture that applies maybe as you're having that coffee with the generation below you, maybe you can ask, what does this truth change in my life today? Or this week? Or this year? If you're really brave, ask your spouse that question. Apply the truth of God's word in your life throughout your devotion and obedience. That's what it means to engage God's word. Number two, model discipleship for one another. If you learned anything from me, you understand that I don't mean the perfect life of faith. I mean discipleship. Be vulnerable with one another. Admit your failures, your struggles, and your successes. Because the journey of discipleship is actually made of every experience we have because our Savior is with us in every experience. So the more we share of God working through every experience, the more we lead the next generation. The more we share with one another, the more we realize that maybe our marriage isn't the only one that struggles, or I'm not the only one who lacks self-confidence, or or struggles with prayer, or daily devotion, or, or even loving my children as parents should. That's the vulnerable conversations that get to happen. And as you share and rejoice in your success, then you learn to celebrate with others and to embrace the giftedness and the passions that God has given to you and do so with humility and not in undue pride. You see, God desires to see transformation through our success as much as he works growth through our shortcomings. It's in these conversations that we actually get to model discipleship for one another. By helping each other see and remember God's love for us is not based on perfection or behavior or success, but on what he has done for us. And our savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and whose birth we again rejoice in this Christmas. And then challenge each other to grow. How it is today in your life is not how it has to be tomorrow. Nor does everything just miraculously change in life. Yes, God can and does still work miracles. However, more often than not, he works transformation. And transformation takes time. It takes experience. And so challenge each other to grow. Hold each other accountable in love and in truth embrace the experiences as they come, each and every one of them. This was Jesus' call to his disciples when he simply said to them, follow me. He didn't give them the full working manual of everything that was going to happen in their lives over the next three years and even beyond. He simply invited them into a relationship that kept moving forward, each experience building off the other, deepening their understanding, deepening their faith, and deepening their trust in Him. He didn't let them stay where they were. And to be honest, those who tried to follow Him and were still complacent and weren't willing to undergo the process of transformation, well, those are the ones that we use in sermons and Bible studies. So even if you feel there's no way your life can be better than it is today, Challenge one another to grow. You never know what our Savior will make known to you as you engage his word and you model that discipleship for one another. From Paul's letter to the Romans. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to the good news and the preaching of Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ago, but has now been disclosed, has been made known through the prophetic writings to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, to the only wise God be glory forevermore, through our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope God used this time to turn your heart more towards him. Be sure to check out Glory Day online at gdlc.org for next steps you can take. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at gdlc Houston as we help more people live life with Jesus every day.